When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it, it felt big. And see, that's the that's the difference here, Paul, is that the, the knock on the Giants has been they've played these close games, and when they've come back, they've been able to run the ball, you know, the Titan game, the Raven game, all of that. And the theory was if you're down double digits, they don't have the offense built to come back. Well, I would argue that today, although they didn't complete the comeback, seeing Daniel Jones in the in the wind be able to throw the ball and get the yardage up and, and have all these problems told me they do have some of that capability, but you can't take penalties and you got to be able to make plays, not have Isaiah Hodgins fumble the ball late. Uh, you know, clearly you you lose Wandell. That's a huge play. Uh, but, you know, the Giants do have that capability with Daniel Jones's arm to do that, but guys got to make plays. I mean, they just have to make plays. So, I mean, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal all around. And the idea in the wind, by the way, for the Lions to to execute and finish with touchdowns too. And you want to talk about defensively here. We could put this game all on the offense for a second. And I know that everybody wants to crush the offense in the six points in the first half. This was as bad as we've seen the defense play. And Paul, the Dory Jackson stuff we'll get to in a second because I think that's for a deeper conversation, whether he should be fielding punch, shouldn't. Losing him is horrible. Obviously, losing Moreau is horrible. You start to test it. Rodarius Williams, another guy with rust, having to come play. But I thought really what was important today, when you're seeing the way that run game's executing, this was the spot where the Giants missed Xavier McKinney. They flat out missed him. He's a tackling machine that doesn't take bad angles. And I thought he was extremely missed with this kind of offense. Well, I'll be honest with you. I thought the linebackers overall, not McKinney necessarily at safety, but I thought the linebackers did not fill their gaps very well. Uh, McFadden I, was awful too, Paul. He might have been the worst player in the field today. I I was powerless to explain why the linebackers were so invisible. And Dexter Lawrence made a few plays during the course of the game, but he wasn't himself. Uh, I, I don't think that, that Thibodeau was particularly effective. And Leonard Williams after really coming on the last several weeks, was very, very quiet. This this yeah. was a game where, again, the, I, 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 I can't stress this enough, Sean, the Giants lost in the trenches on both sides of the they ball. Did. They allowed Detroit to run for 160 yards, convert 6 of 13 on third downs, while the Giants, by the way, Barkley, 22 yards, what is it, on 15 carries, Fourth lowest rushing output of his career. Insane. I believe fourth. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fifth lowest rushing output of his career. Yeah, you would have thought he was running behind Mike Remmers and Nate Solder today, the way that he just couldn't get going. Paul, with that, though, 
you know, this is also a bigger problem with the defense, big picture too, right? If these guys up front get whipped in games, and I know Dexter Lawrence made his place, but Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, who I, you know, guy can't draw a holding pill. I almost feel bad for Kayvon Thibodeau. He's getting held left and right. You need more of that, and I get it. But as long as Aziz Ojolari is out, you know, the longer Dory Jackson's out back there and the longer Xavier McKinney's out back there, you can't just expect Wink Martindale to send the house as the only way to get home here. Right. Because how the heck are McLeod and Darius Williams gonna and Cordell Flock gonna hold up versus some of these teams that can really air it out, like the Cowboys and like the Eagles? I mean, that's a real problem if they don't start getting home with the front four. All right, let's make something clear to everybody out there. I think Cordell Flott has skills to be a boundary corner. I like him very much, but he missed a lot of time this summer. Yeah. And the guy is as green as a cucumber. Okay? Yeah. Rodarius Williams missed two-thirds of last season with a torn ACL. Just got activated about a week ago. So he is virtually as green as a cucumber. Okay? I think both guys have the talent to help out and be boundary corners. But A, they need experience. And B, they need to be guys who can be gradually rotated in. Neither of these guys is ready to be a 100% snap count, full-time starter who's going to shut premier guys down in this league. That's not where they are at this stage of their career. And God knows McLeod, who was with Buffalo, primarily as a special teams player. Now, okay, he's not a rookie, but McLeod is not in a position to be thrust into a full-time cornerback role either. Right, and he played well in London, if you remember, when McLeod had to come in when Adoree went down to that game. In spots. In spots, right, but to have this spot. Okay, so that's going to walk me right into this, Paul. We might have talked this on the air. I know we talked about it off the air. I don't think this is second guess. I think this is the first real mistake that Brian Dables made as a head coach was having a Dory Jackson as the punt returner. I know that injuries, you can't expect them, but why even put him in the risk? And I know that you want somebody to safely catch the football and clearly Richie James cost them a game with it. But now by having a Dory Jackson doing that, and I know it's a freak injury or whatever, but he didn't have to be there. He's that valuable to them on the defense for him to be out there. He might now cost the Giants games, not a game. I think, you know, we've gone over all these injuries and needing guys back in the Giants, you need to get healthy. At some point, the dam is going to break on injuries, and you've been saying that as well. Dory Jackson was a pretty big piece of the dam. The guy should not have been returning punts, Paul. I'm sorry. You know, look what happened at the end of the Jet game. The end of the Jet game is a moment that is so crazy because it's the first punt return for a touchdown in the NFL all year. So it's not like this punt return game needs to be some electrifying return. You just need a guy to wave his hand up in the air and catch the ball. You're telling me 53 guys on the roster are Dory Jackson's the guy we trust the most with that? We can't find somebody else where the risk isn't there? I will say this. If they made the decision after Seattle that Richie James was going to remain on this roster, I would have gone back to him. As bad as it was in Seattle, and he had trouble with the ball security a couple other times earlier this season when he had some muffs going on too. As bad as that was, he's still on the 53. And what does every coach tell you, Sean? If the guy's on the 53, that means we have confidence in him to play and we can put him in the game and believe that he's going to do the job. So if Richie James is still on the roster and we know that he's lost his wide receiver snaps, then why isn't he back there returning punts? Okay? So that's my take on it. I agree with you. I don't think Adore Jackson should have been doing it. Now, if you wanted to tell me 
that Richie James did not deserve a roster spot on this team and had been removed from the 53, then in all honesty, I probably would have looked at Wandale Robinson to do it. Did a little bit of returning kicks right. and punts in college. Not very much, but he's practiced it all during the course of the time that he's been here. I probably would have gone there. Now, of course, the counter to that is he had a 100-yard day today. I know we wound up spraining his knee, and we don't know what that's going to look like. Right. But the counter to that is the receiver room is pretty thin, too. And we've been talking about this. How many times have you heard me say in the last three weeks, he's going to break out? They've got him yeah. ready to go. And, of course, they opened the floodgates on his receiving skills today, and now he gets hurt, too. It's unreal. And and by the way, I do think that Richie James, the main reason he stayed on the team is he was productive in that slot. Wandell Robinson was a guy who was already banged up earlier in the year. And if you had cut Richie James, who's next up in the slot? And oh, by the way, Richie James says a couple balls go his way later on in the game. But with all that, I mean, Darnay Holmes had worked out in practice as well. To me, Paul, I think it's yeah, a but Holmes was valuable as the as the starting nickel. They've used him mostly as the starting nickel. So Paul. his value is there too. Paul, I'm not saying he's not valuable, and clearly he is. But if you were to make me say, hey, let me list the guys who are most valuable yeah. to this team, all right? Yeah. I could make the case, and Saquon Barkley could have been the MVP of the NFL. I could make the case you could get by in a game with Breida and Brightwell, right? I could make that case. You know, it's not going to look as electrifying and all that because we saw today what happened when Saquon's not going. But when you're talking about the importance of Dexter Lawrence, clearly Daniel Jones, even though you can even say Tyrod Taylor's on the team, I mean, you start then, once you get past those guys, I think Dory Jackson's at the top of the list. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been following around the team's best corners. So, to me, like, look, if Dory Jackson gets hurt today and sprays an MCL or whatever he's got going on playing cornerback, okay, that happens. Football injuries happen. But there's nothing more infuriating than when a big player gets hurt on something that's completely preventable. And not having a Dory Jackson out there as special teams gunners are flying around uh, or fluky things happen, guys run into each other, that was completely preventable. And if the, sure. and look, it's a next man up team, Paul, and you're talking about all these guys with the snap counts, and I think it's, it's fine to fear the worst right now. And hopefully that they do get through in however long he's missing. But, geez, you've got to have a big picture look at this thing and look at the schedule and say, you know what, as much as this might be our best option, this isn't the smart option. And Brian Dable's been a great head coach. And I think it's a whole organizational decision and all of that. And Shane, this to me was the first time I looked at him and said, you guys made a mistake. And it's okay to admit that as Giant fans. Not everything these guys do touch the gold. Today was an enormous mistake having a Dory Jackson return punt. Yeah, I think to be fair, Sean, we didn't scream from the top of the mountains a couple of weeks ago when he started doing it. So I don't right. want to necessarily kind of second guess because we all know hindsight is twenty twenty. But I will say, I don't think either one of us were necessarily overjoyed to see it at the time. No. But no. we did not scream to the high heavens about it either. So that's my fault if I haven't done this on this podcast. I know I did it on my CBS Sports Radio show. Did you? As, yeah, okay. and I tweeted about it. So if I didn't do it on the podcast, then shame on me. I should have done it. Maybe I, <laughs> maybe I was too busy talking Kit Kats and spoonfuls of corn with you to do that. So that's on me. But it just, I don't know. Paul, that, that, and see, I don't know where you stand on this, right? Losing to the Lions sucks, but I also had this understanding. And look, they could lose to the Lions and beat the Cowboys. Like the league is so weird week to week. The Lions yes. were not terrible. The Lions have played all these one-possession games, four-point games the way the Giants have. They've just been on the losing end of a bunch of them. I mean, you could make the case these teams could flip-flop and be each other this year as far as playoff races go. So the law, the actual game loss to the today, 
doesn't bother me as much as the injuries bother me. And you're right. And, just, and the Adoree Jackson one. Like, look, it is what it is, right? They're seven and three. They didn't beat the Lions. It happens in the league. They beat the Ravens. The Ravens probably felt the same way about that. You know, these the Titans. You beat some teams you're not supposed to in theory. You lose to some teams you're not supposed to in theory. That's the nature of the NFL. You just hope you have enough wins in the end. It's the injuries now that are a killer. And and on top of that, Paul, I think I would almost feel better if the Cowboy game was on Sunday. It's the idea of not only the injuries a killer, but whoever's stepping in for the injured, having them turn around in three days and then play a team that just dropped 40 points on the Vikings. And what's right. a big game, by the way, it just it gives me a little anxiety because just like that, you could have two straight losses in a span of four days. And really, injuries are not a not an excuse, but a big part of the reason why that could be. Yeah, guys like uh, uh, Neil and potentially Ojolari, who could be activated on Monday, and I think there's a growing chance of that. Both of those guys will come in after having been shelled. So how effective are they going to be in just their first games back from being absent for a while? So, yes, you're you're, look, Sean, you're spot on here. For me, the loss is the loss. They're 7-3 after 11 weeks. If you look right now at the big picture in the National Football Conference, it looks like it's an eight-team race for seven playoff spots. And right Right. now that eighth team is the Washington Commanders, who, by the way, are two losses behind the Giants and still have two games to play the Giants. As I said on the Giants postgame show tonight, the Giants just really need to split with them. So that means Washington won't be able to gain ground on the Giants in those particular matchups. We all know division games are worth two, okay? Right. So if the Giants just split with Washington, they've only got to pick up realistically two more wins during the rest of their games to get to 10 and probably get into the postseason. So they're really not in bad shape, but... Now, as we always say, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And the Giants are now entering a very critical part of their schedule, and they've got a host of injury questions to worry about.